So tonight we're going to be talking, we're going to be in Samuel. So if you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to be in uh, 2 Samuel. And also the title of the message is The King, His Covenant, and Your Desert. Some of you might be in a desert place tonight, but I want to assure you that God's got you. Some of you probably, I'm feeling a pushback, like, no, you don't know what I'm going through. It doesn't matter. God has got you. It doesn't matter how bad the situation is. God can do something mightily if you just begin to put your faith, anchor it in the word of God, and that is what we are to trust. Sometimes I feel like all hell is being thrown at me as well. And I'm telling you, the same thing that I do, you can do. You can have faith that your best days are ahead of you. Tonight I want to talk to you about a lie that can be so crippling, so stifling in your walk, that it begins to chip away at your faith. As you begin to think, I don't know if these promises apply to me. And it's the lie that God has forgotten you. It's the lie that God has left you in a desert. There's an Old Testament story that is probably my favorite Old Testament story when it comes to this subject matter. And it encourages me as I see the prophetic parallels that are woven through this story. Right now, you might feel forgotten because of two things. The state of your circumstances or the amount of time that you have spent in these unchanging circumstances. Maybe you can say, God, I feel like you've abandoned me. Or maybe you would say, I feel like God has left me in a pit. Or you're not coming through when I need you the most. Have you ever felt this way? Or am I, cause, uh, am I talking to some Christians that have been in the, the thick of it? This message is for you. If everything is going fine, you'll end up here one day. When your back is in against the wall, you can expect God to do great things. That's where God shows up the best. See, he is the God that can make a way where there seems to be no way. He is the God who made water pour out of a rock for Moses and the Jewish people. He is the God who sent ravens to feed Elijah. He is the Lord who fed a woman and her son through a prophet. He is God Almighty who shut the mouth of lions for Daniel. He is your ever-present help in the time of trouble. He is your mighty deliverer. He is the conqueror of death, hell, and the grave. His name is Jesus. Listen, God isn't on your side just because you've been extra good this week. Or because you fasted for 21 days. None of those things qualify you for, for God's favor. Even if you fasted for 21 days and spent three hours in your Bible, that does not give you extra weight with God. It helps you in your relationship being tuned into God, but God loves you still the same. And I want to share with you tonight that you can have confident trust and expectation in our supernatural God, that he is working behind the scenes, even if you do not see it. And it's one word covenant. Second Samuel chapter four, verse four. I want to read you the backstory. Saul's son, Jonathan, had a son named Mephibosheth, who was crippled as a child. He was five years old when the report came from Jezreel 
that Saul and Jonathan had been killed in battle. When the child's nurse heard the news, she picked him up and fled. But as she hurried away, she dropped him, and he became crippled. Now, there are many prophetic parallels that we shall see that affect us all. Mephibosheth's story is our story. Mephibosheth was Jonathan's son who was David's best friend. And Mephibosheth fell and was crippled for life. His very name means the shameful thing. It wasn't his fault. It just happened to him. And some things are not our fault. They just happen to us, right? Some things we don't plan to work out the way they do. They just happen. David's David became Israel's king after the death of Jonathan and Saul. Remember that story. David and Jonathan were best friends, and Saul hated David. Now, in the Garden of Eden, we became crippled. We became the shameful thing by our first parents at the fall. There's a double meaning here. Mephibosheth represents fallen man, but it also represents the Christian who is in a desert place in Lodabar is where Mephibosheth was. Now, number one, I want to bring you the first point. If we are in covenant with Christ, it is never hopeless. If we are in covenant with Christ, it is never, ever, ever hopeless. Some of you need hope tonight. Right? Then verse 3, in 1 Samuel 18, verse 3, it says, Then Jonathan made a covenant with David, because he loved him as his own soul. Now, before I go any further here, David and Jonathan had a covenant, and David honors the covenant on behalf of Mephibosheth, and Mephibosheth benefits from it. Now, that does not mean that today God has no grandchildren. You are a child of his or you are not. The covenant comes through Christ Jesus. When we put our faith and confidence in, in, in his ability to save, when we acknowledge that we have fallen and that we cannot do anything to please God aside from Christ, Christ took the penalty of our sin and placed it upon himself and died the death that you and I should have died. And then we put our faith and trust in what he did for us. We become justified just as if we never sinned. And then we walk this life out through sanctification, which is our daily life and living, where you are now if you are saved. You have good days, bad days. Some days you feel strong. Some days you feel like you're just crawling through life. And then soon and very soon, we will experience glorification. When the trump sounds, we will get out of this place and we will put on, we will put, amen, we will put on glorified bodies. And like I always say, we will not be strapped to those torture racks called treadmills to lose weight. We will have perfect bodies. <laughs> Let's look at the, the verses I want to bring to you tonight. Second Samuel 9 verses 1 through 5. And David said, is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I might show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now, there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there still not someone of the house of Saul that I might show the kindness of God to him? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, where is he? 
And Ziba said to the king, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amaliel, at Lodabar. Then the king David sent and bought him from the house of Machir, the son of Amaliel, at Lodabar. Now, Lodabar is a place where you feel left. It means a pastureless place or a desert place. It's the place that is barren spiritually. It looks hopeless. Now, do you feel like everyone else is in green pastures and you are not? Do you feel like everyone else around you is getting blessed and you are not? Do you feel tonight like you have been dropped, so to speak, crippled and unable to function? Maybe you're crippled by depression. Maybe you're crippled by a situation that is that is bogging you down. Maybe it's your marriage and you're in shambles tonight. I came by to tell you the king is looking for you. All it takes is a suddenly moment, and everything can change. I don't know if you believe that or not. All it takes is a suddenly moment, and everything can change for you. Do you believe that? Listen, be confident in Christ. Be confident in your Savior. Your best days, my best days, are ahead of us. Remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The furnace was set seven times hotter. And they were being mocked, saying, who is this God that is able to deliver you? And Satan may be telling you that nothing will change. It has been seven times hotter for you. It is getting worse and worse. Your job is getting worse and worse. Maybe you've you've been in that situation and your job just has you depleted. Can you have confidence that these three Hebrew boys had? They looked at the most powerful king on the face of the earth and said, our God is able to deliver us. But if not, we will not bow our knee or buckle. Can you say that to your circumstance? See, when the fire is turned up seven times hotter, don't count God out. Don't count God out. Maybe the devil's been crouching and saying, nothing will change for you. This is your destiny. You are stuck in this situation. Your marriage is never going to get better. He's an old bag and he will never change. (laughs) I'm not going to go in on the women. I'm going to go in on the men because I'm a man. (laughs) But God can change that person's heart. Daniel 3.25, look, he said, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. All that were watching, as they had this attitude, saw Jesus show up in the fire. Listen, in your trial, Jesus can be seen in the midst by onlook, in the midst by the onlookers. You are a Christian in the fire. You know, when I was thinking, if you want to know who you are, You get put in the fire. If you want to know what kind of Christian you are, the Christian you are is in the fire. The friend that you are is when your friendship is in the fire. Your marriage is what it is when it's in the fire of adversity. It's easy to walk around and smile. Bless God, brother, I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. You can say all that. But when you're in the fire, that's, I want you to understand, that's when you're thinking about 
how you how you are as a Christian. Do you have faith? You have faith when everything is going good, when your favorite songs are coming on the radio and you open the Bible and the words are jumping out of the page and you understand. What about when you're in the deep, dark depression? Do you still have that faith? When all hell is being thrown at you, do you still have that faith? When demons are breathing down your neck, do you still have that faith? The attitude in the fiery furnace of your life should be, my God is able to deliver me, but if not, I will not bow my knee to my circumstance. Amen. Daniel 3.23, and these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound in the burning, fiery furnace. Now, you might be here in the fiery furnace, and you have even lost your footing. Listen, there is one, his name is Jesus, our heavenly David, that will untie you and raise you up for all the world to see the miraculous working power of God Almighty. When you are looking at impossibility in the face, when you are staring a doctor's diagnosis in the face, you could say, my God is able to deliver me. By his stripes, I am healed. Listen, God doesn't send somebody to the fire with you. He shows up himself. Daniel 3, 27 and 28. The hair on their heads were not singed. Their cloaks were not harmed. And no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So your fire is producing a greater glory that you are not even aware of. And it doesn't matter if it's sickness, finances, disappointment, loss, betrayal. If you hold on to your faith, the onlookers will see your response and they will be drawn to God. It's not meaningless. It's working for his glory and for your good in everything. And it doesn't matter what we see in the natural with these situations that pop up on us. When tragedy visits you, and for my case, when you lose six children through miscarriage and your dream seems hopeless, or when you lose a loved one at an early age, don't say it is meaningless. Don't ponder that it's meaningless. No. Rise up from the ashes when you are able to, when you get your feet under you. It's not faith to sit in the ash for a little while. It's not faithless. You're processing. But as you're processing, don't lose hope. Don't stay in despair. Don't let de the devil come in and, and put a, a sheet of depression on you. Sow your pain into God's rich soil of sovereignty. And then set your eyes on the eternal purposes of God. And then launch out in faith into the deep of his ways. Sometimes we are only looking for the final delivery, but we miss out on the miraculous feeding day by day in the desert. We miss out on the fact that he's sustaining you, that he's equipping you, that he's empowering you. That his sufficient grace is meeting you every single day of your life in these situations. The final delivery may be healing on this side. But it also may, may mean death. But listen, death is about leaving home or going home for the Christian. Death is about leaving home 
or going home for the Christian. Sow your pain into the sovereignty of God and expect him to move in your waterless pit. Remember the things we face here. The Bible calls all of them momentary and light. That's almost an insult, right? This momentary and light affliction. You think when Paul was getting beat, stoned, dragged, ridiculed, shipwrecked, he would call that light and momentary. But in 2 Corinthians 4.17, it says that it is achieving an eternal glory that will last forever. Become a prisoner of hope like the book of Zechariah says. Zechariah 9, 11 and 12 says, Because of the blood of your covenant, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today I declare, I will restore double to you. Don't you need your faith level raised tonight? Listen, I want to show you, God fed the Jewish people with manna from heaven. Three million people. Think about this, because I looked it up to where we can understand it today. God fed three million people with manna from heaven every day for 40 years. Now, it would have taken 45 rail cars with 15 tons of manna per cart to meet the need. And God did it every single day. Not counting the Sabbath, it would have taken 90 cars with 15 tons per car. Now, what is your problem? I mean, when you read it in that context, it's like, okay. Because manna is not very uh, heavy either. So you may be looking at your circumstance or the mountain that is in front of you, and you think there's no way I'm coming out of this. Listen, it is producing an eternal glory and a weight that will last forever. Help is on the way. The enemy will come in and tell you, get used of Lodabar. Get used of this pastureless place. This is all there is for you. God saved you to drop you. And listen, it may last a while that you feel that way. You may sit in the dust for a while, but you won't be there forever. It's funny how we can hear the lies so easy. And the truth of God's word, we're like, yeah, but, I don't know, in the Greek, in the Hebrew, I don't know, but, but the devil we can hear in English and that's it. We don't care about the translation the devil gives us or nothing. We just, the devil said this, so that must be life. And yet God has given us all these translations and we can't find one that we want to just stand on and believe. I'm going to keep moving. Number two, your covenant is with Jesus, not your circumstance. Amen. So how do we keep from getting stuck in our belief system? The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 10.5. We destroy, I like, the, I like that word, destroy. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And take every thought captive and obey Christ. Every lofty opinion, every every. Advice you get, oh, brother, I just don't know if it's going to work out. Or, brother, I've I seen this. And, oh, brother, I, or sister, I didn't. that's a lofty opinion. I'm not going to take that lofty opinion because you're on your high horse telling me how it should be. <laughs> Some, sometimes people just, well, brother, let me tell you about your sin, your problem, your issue that you have. Maybe it's because of this. That's a lofty opinion. And it gets destroyed under the weight of the word of God. The lie is 
Nothing will ever change. God has forgotten you. And we replace it with this truth. God is working all things out for his glory and for my good. I will never leave you nor forsake you. The devil will come and say he forsa he's forsaken you. You haven't had a, a prayer answered in a month. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Choose to believe his word, not your circumstance. Looking back at Mephibosheth, how many times was he in Lodabar saying, is this all there is? I'm crippled. I will never carry out my dreams. Nothing will ever change. I've been thrusted into a circumstance that I have no control over. I hate this situation. My inability to walk is ridiculous. I can't play baseball with anybody. I can't. I don't know if they had baseball in those days, but that'd be pretty cool. But I can't play anything where you can run or, or do anything. I'm just an outcast. Maybe you're just on the sidelines while everybody is walking around blessed. Do you ever feel like this? Fix your halos. <laughs> Little did Mephibosheth know that the king was looking for him because of the covenant that was made with his father, Jonathan. You see, David sent Ziba, which is a picture of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was sent ahead to announce the coming of the king. You see, the Bible says that I didn't choose Christ. He chose me. Right. And the same for you. The Holy Spirit sought you out day after day, night after night in rebellion, constantly drawing and wooing us in our rebellion. And then he chased us down with his mercy and subdued our rebellion and then gave us a new life, gave us a new belief system. And this covenant that he has was based on the blood of Jesus. We became a new creation in Christ Jesus, the Bible says. So don't think that God would do all of this to get you and then drop you or get you and then punish you. You have to understand that all the promises of God apply to you. You say, oh, yeah, but no, all, there's no that's a lofty opinion. All of God's promises apply to you. The Bible says by his stripes, I am healed. The Bible says I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. The Bible says that I will make a way where there seems to be no way. Do you believe that or not? I choose to believe it. Yeah, but I choose to believe God can make a way where there seems to be no way. Do you feel betrayed? Jesus said I will be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. This book says that I will be a father to the fatherness when your family forsakes you. The Bible says that they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. The Bible says that I, he shall supply all of my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. This book says that he will keep your mind in perfect peace when your mind is steadfast on him. The Bible says, believe when you pray that you have received and you were received. It says, cast all of your cares upon him because he cares for you. He says, call on me and I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. This book says that I have given you all authority over every power of the enemy. 
And this book says, I go to prepare a place for you, and I will come again and receive you unto myself. How many of you are ready to go meet Jesus? Amen. And Lodabar, tonight, you are in covenant with the ultimate covenant keeper. And what I'm trying to tell you tonight is no matter what you're going through, you need a plumb line to come back to. And the plumb line is his word. Now, God Almighty is wanting to be kind to you and I because of what Jesus did at Calvary. He wants to bless and restore us. We didn't earn it, right? We can never be good enough. It's the grace of God that has visited wretched sinners like us. Imagine Phibosheth, Mephibosheth's reaction. Thank God for our names, right? <laughs> I mean, you're not naming your Build-A-Bear Mephibosheth. <laughs> Imagine when Mephibosheth heard that this legendary warrior king was looking for him. Now, you need to know that potential heirs to the throne were, were executed as to not pose a threat. Now, fear may have gripped him. Imagine. Him thinking, man, after all that my grandfather did to, to him, maybe he's looking to imprison me. Maybe he got up out the dirt, feeling hungry and helpless, and tried to put on his best robe, grabbed his crutches, and expected the absolute worst. Which brings us to the third point. Trust the king will honor his covenant. Second Samuel 9, 6, his name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son. And Saul's grandson. And when he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. And David said, imagine this statement. He bows in fear. And David says, greetings, Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth says, I'm your servant. Like, imagine that. He's, he's feeling threatened because it says that he feared when you keep reading. Because David says, fear not. And he says, I'm your servant. Imagine the scene as he walks into King David's presence. Imagine the feelings he must have felt. Life is already hard and it's about to get worse. He, I could be off with my head. Notice he didn't walk up and say, hey, I'm a king's kid. Remember Saul? He didn't do that. And notice David did not hold it against him that his grandfather was Saul. You know why? David was honoring the covenant. Jesus feels the same way at Calvary because he chose to, feel, to, to save those that were against him. See the, the prophetic parallels. He came up humbly in deep respect, in reverence and awe. That's how we approach our heavenly king, Jesus, in wonder, in humble, humbleness, and yes, even in our disappointments. We come humbly knowing that we are in a crippled condition, knowing that we fail the Lord every single day. We know that we've sinned, right? But notice he doesn't hold that against us because we are justified. Mephibosheth utters these words, I am your servant. Basically, he's saying, hey, I'm not a threat. Number four, the king will comfort and reward because of the covenant. Look at 2 Samuel 9, verse 7. And David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of your father, Jonathan, 
and will restore all the, the, all the land of your grandfather Saul, and you shall eat at my table regularly. The king is saying to you tonight, fear not. Our heavenly king sees us. He sees our circumstances. He sees your tears, but he sees the covenant. Jesus wants to tell you these same words tonight. When the winds and the waves of life are beating against the boat, the same Jesus is telling you, fear not. I am still the water working, water walking savior. I still can hush every storm in your life. Simply fear not. I am the storm whisperer. And these covenant promises apply to you. You may say, yeah, but nothing is changing. You don't know my situation. I would tell you his timing is perfect and you're not in the ground. You still have breath. You still have a reason to believe. You still have a reason to believe. One minute we're like Mephibosheth, hopeless and down, crippled, thinking God's, God's promises don't apply. And the next minute you could be in the presence of God. No matter where you are tonight, open your eyes and open your ears because the king is calling for you. Can you focus on the covenant promises of God? Not the discouragement of the circumstance. Yes, it's there. Obviously, I'm not saying just get over it. But I'm saying fight with the weapons that God has, which is his word. See, Satan will use your, mega, your, your, your circumstance as a megaphone. But God will use his word as a megaphone. Fill your mind with his word. Fill your soul with his presence every single day. And wait patiently, as the song says, for him to move. 2 Samuel 9, 7, David said to him, Do not fear, I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of your father, Jonathan. Now, Jonathan was a great friend of David, and look at how his relationship affects his lineage. This is what I want to tell you tonight. By your love for Christ, it could literally affect your lineage. How many things dodged your children because of your faith? In Christ. How many assignments were canceled because you are a believer in Christ? Instead of murmuring and complaining, you stayed the course. Maybe you went the extra mile in the, in when all hell was thrown at you in spite of your circumstance, in spite of not feeling good. You kept moving forward. God saw you. God sees you and God will bless you for that. Amen. The end result is David made a decision that would change Jonathan's son's life. And he said, you would eat at my table for life. Now imagine the sight of this moment. You're in the palace, the grand palace, with such beauty and splendor. And you look over and you see the brat Absalom with his long flowing hair. He's a brat if you read the, the word. And then you see Amnon. And maybe Daniel and Tamar, you see all of the, his children sitting at this table. And all of a sudden, you hear the sound of crutches. The sight of utter hopelessness coming down the hallway, clumsily approaching the table. Put yourself in the place of Mephibosheth, looking at these Bible legends. Would you feel anxiety, shame, unworthiness? 
Mephibosheth takes a seat at the grand table. Now, if you're at the table and you look under the table, you're seeing these muscular legs and you're seeing these dangling crippled legs. This is the view we tend to have in life, right? We see under the table, we see our crippled circumstances. That's a choice that we have to look at. Now, see King David as he walks in and sits at the head. His view is above the table and he sees his children and he sees Mephibosheth. He doesn't see a cripple. He sees Mephibosheth. I invited you to my table. From the table up, he sees everybody. And he looks just like everyone else. You see, you and I were crippled, living in poverty. But the king came and arrested us and imprisoned us with hope and grace. We are prisoners of grace and promises. Now look through the eyes of the king. He sees you as his own. Jesus sees you as his own. I know some of you feel like there's no way I'm saved. I mean, I had a horrible day, a horrible week. I actually listened to some rock music when I should have been listening. All of that, right? You're his. You belong to him. Your faith is in Christ. You're living for him. You have bad days. Jesus understands that. This is your destiny. This is a practice run. Your view might be under the table. Focus your eyes on the table above. Focus your eyes on the view above. All of the promises apply to you. You know why? Because you're at the table. The king has invited you to the table. Listen, Mephibosheth didn't know anything about a covenant between David and his father. How much more should we be excited because we do know about a covenant? It's 66 books of the Bible. We have every promise laid out. What's the message? You are in relationship with Christ. Keep your eyes on the promises of Christ. Can I plug the rapture here? Soon and very soon, we will be summoned at the trump of God to sit at the table at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Where our family will be. Where the angels will be. Where Christ and all the Old Testament and New Testament prophets and apostles will be. Could you imagine that heavenly air blowing on us? Could you imagine the food that will be there? Can you imagine the utter joy as life and joy is just constantly flowing out of you as you are in awe of the grandeur of the architect of the ages as he has created this wedding banquet for you and I. He went from the desert place to sitting at the table, which brings me to point number five. The king will recompense all that was lost when he comes. 2 Samuel 9, 8 through 10. Then he bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you, you should look upon a dead dog as I? And the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given you your master's son, all that belonged to Saul and to his house. You therefore and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. David also promised to restore the land of his grandfather. Listen, personal issue here. I've lost land here with lineage, right? I know I talk about miscarriage, but as I'm telling you, not having any babies or whatever, that, that kind of messed me up for a while. 
And I, so I lost land here. But if I keep my eyes focused under the table of what I don't have, my crippled situation, I will never be able to focus on what's above the table. Because my kids are sitting at the table, waiting on their father, waiting on their mother, waiting on their grandparents, waiting on their brother to show up. And that trump could sound at any moment. And there will be no cr- no sound of crutches coming down that hallway. Amen? Listen, I don't know how the promises of God play out here. Because some people die of infirmity, right? But it says that by your stripes I'm healed. But there was something that I saw in the Bible that helped me to see this and completely changed my mentality towards everything that I see going on in this earth, in my own life and in people's lives that I've talked to. I want to show you something that the Lord showed me and I actually put it in my book that I wrote, Yet Will I Trust Him? Because it was one of those moments that really helped me see how to deal with things when you're dealing with a unsurmountable amount of loss. The Lord basically showed me, get your eyes from under the table. I had to tell the devil to st- that I had to stop playing footsies with him in my mind. You see, what I'm trying to tell you is this present life can be focused and, or looked at as under the table. We keep our, our eyes under the table. But we need to keep our eyes above the table where Jesus is. And what I mean by that is we have divided time between life and death, right? We're on this earth and we think this is all that life is and the afterlife is another thing. That's not how the Bible speaks of it. The Bible says that we have eternal life, right? So I, and this is how I viewed as under the table. I viewed life as under the table. I see my crippled situation and, and God was saying, hey, get your eyes above the table, Kelly. Get your eyes where you can focus on me. And look at what I mean. Look at this verse in John chapter 3, 15 through 16. And this is in what is called the Weist Expanded Translation. It's a Greek translation that takes into consideration the present tense or past tense of the verses. Now listen to this. I want you to know that eternal life begins when you give your life to Christ. In other words, you might have did it last Sunday. You might have done it 10 years ago, 20 years ago. You have eternal life right now if you're a believer in Christ. If you are not a believer in Christ, everything is bad coming up for you in the future. That's a fact. We will spend eternity apart from God in a fiery hell to suffer every single day. And God does not want that. He does. He's, he sent his son. You literally have to cross over Jesus to get to hell. John three fifteen through 16. Listen what it says. That everyone who places his trust in him may be having life eternal. For in such a manner did God love the world in so much that his son, the uniquely begotten one, he gave in order that everyone who places his trust in him may not perish, but may be having life eternal. That's present tense. When you give your life to Christ, you may be having eternal life. Look at John 17, 3. And this is eternal life, namely that they might be having an experiential knowledge of you, 
the only genuine God, and of him whom you sent on a mission, Jesus Christ. You see, present tense. You're having an experiential knowledge of Christ even now. John 5, 24. Most assuredly, I am saying to you, he who habitually hears my word and is believing in the one who sent me has eternal life. That means right now you're continually believing, habitually living for Christ. And it says in into judgment, he does not come, but has been permanently transferred out of the sphere of death into life. Right? Right now we're having eternal life in a sphere of death and we pass on into life eternal, which is in the context of eternal life that we already have. Are you getting this? What I want to drive home is death is not the end. It's the transition from one part of eternal life into another part of eternal life. So all the promises that we struggle with right now are meant for us, and every single one of them will be fulfilled because you have eternal life. Whether it's here or whether it's there, you will experience every single promise that God has for you. So get your eyes from under the table of this side of eternal life and focus your attention on what is to come. Amen? See, we focus on this 70, 80, 90 years. Those that don't get healed here are crutchless there. Those who die here transition to life there. We are experiencing eternal life now. We're just at the under the table phase. Do you understand that? Do you see that? You that have lost a spouse, they are waiting for you right now. I know that there are people here that lost people, lost their family, lost children. They are there waiting for you. I want to encourage you. Keep your eyes from under the table. Yes, you limp, right? You, it's, it's a different way of living. But if you keep your eyes on what's to come, the Bi some people call it escapism. Well, the Bible says we can escape the wrath that is to come. I do not believe the Bible teaches mid or post. I'll just tell you. I don't think we're going through a tribulation. And you could, if you don't believe that, we can talk later. The Bible says God has not appointed us to wrath. The tribulation period is God's wrath being poured on unrighteous sinners. That's the facts. That's the Bible. You have to be taught the other way. Let me just keep going. Amen. We have a class uh, at the beginning of the year. We'll talk about that later. Listen, those who experience lack here get showered with abundance there. Do you believe that? While you're here, keep seeking, keep learning, keep trusting, keep believing. This thing that has you plagued can turn around at any moment. I want to give you an invitation. Much like Ziba did from Mephibosheth, the Holy Spirit is summoning you to the presence of the King. And I want to give you an opportunity with every head bowed, and every eye closed, nobody looking around. If you can say, I finally can hear the king calling me. And I want to give my life to Christ. 
I just simply want you to raise your hand and I'm going to pray for you. Now, I know it's Wednesday night. We have a lot of believers that are already here. I see your hand. Anybody else? Come on, this is the best decision you will ever make. Life will turn around when you put your faith, when you put your faith in Christ. Now, let's pray with our brother that's hands, uh, hand is up. Repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of your Son, Jesus. I confess that I have sinned, that I have broken your laws, but I repent and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I put my faith in trust in Jesus Christ who took my place and died the death I should have died. I repent and I live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Come on, give them a round of applause for making that brave decision to follow Christ. Now let me ask you a question. To those that are saved, that are living in Lodabar, so to speak, can I encourage you and I'm going to leave you with this. Keep your perspective above the table where the King of Kings is and your family is and the joy of heaven that is before us. The joy of heaven. Listen, everything that you're dealing with right now is light and momentary. Keep that in your mind. You may be crippled by life's circumstances right now. Can I just encourage you tonight? I'm doing this myself. Keep your eyes above the table. Keep your eyes on the things that are coming, the glory of God that is coming, the, the promises of God that will invade your space if you keep your faith resting on the Son of God. Amen? Keep an eternal perspective and wait patiently on the promises to reach your situation. Father, I come in the name of your Son, Jesus. Lord, I ask that you would meet every need. Father, that you would encourage them by your grace, by your power, by your might. God, we thank you for the privilege of sitting at the table and being a child of the Most High King. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask. And the church said, Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Well, God bless you. You are dismissed. Have a great night.